grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. As you were growing up, did you ever play the game Truth or Dare? No, don't answer that question, probably. But what I have for you today in this message from John chapter 21 is the concluding thoughts of John in which I believe he's teaching us that his gospel is really challenging us to play truth and dare. Now, when I was a child, I remember being challenged, maybe even being dared, to cross the swinging bridge. When I was growing up in Austin, Minnesota, there was a creek called the Cedar River that came right through downtown Austin where the church was. It was actually the demise of the church because the creek would flood and eventually they had to move the church. But as I was a child, I could go over to that river. My dad was working in his study and probably was with friends or brother or sister. There was this swinging bridge. Now, I don't know how high it was really from the river, but when you're little, it seemed like it was 300 feet down to the the river bottom. It was probably 25 feet. And it was chain linked with wooden boards. And the wooden boards were spaced. So you had to step from one wooden board to the other all the while looking down to the, the river beneath you. I remember somebody going across that bridge and in fact standing in the middle and going back and forth and I'm thinking to myself I don't want to go out there but I did it anyways after all as a little boy you can't turn down a dare can you what was most at stake was whether or not that bridge was reliable Was it sturdy? Was it firm? Was it built well enough? In the scriptures, the word truth in the Old Testament comes from the sense of firmness, reliability, and faithfulness. Truth is building a firm foundation that we can stand on, we can jump on, we can shake, and it won't fall apart. In John's closing thoughts here, coming to John chapter 21... He is trying to tell you that he's been through this. He's been challenged with the truth. He's been dared to cross the bridge and believe. And these are the last two verses. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. We've come to the close of our series in John that we started way, way, way back in December. And we've been going through the Gospel of John week by week. And we've come to this concluding thought that the disciple whom Jesus loves wants you to know that he loves you too. Do you believe it? 
John made it very clear what his purpose was. At the end of chapter 20, he said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this scroll. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So first of all, the truth. and Secondly, the dare. The truth laid out here is the purpose of John's gospel. He's very clear that his purpose is to persuade you. He wants to convince you of something. That's, that's why he's writing. That's why he's put this together, <clears throat> written it down so it could be passed on from church to church. The message that would persuade you to believe. And not just to believe any general old thing, not just to believe in the power of Christmas, but to believe in the incarnation of the Christ. That God's Son came into the world for you. And by believing in him, you will have life. And you will know what life truly is. And as a good writer, John knows he's not going to put in every story about Jesus, every event, every saying. Because good writing... It's not so much about what you put in, but you know, if you've ever edited someone's writing, it's about what you take out. So John carefully selects out so much that he says there's so much there that there's not a library in the world that could contain all that Jesus did. There's not a scroll long enough of all the paper in the world that could contain the teachings, the events, the miracles, and the meaning of it all. And so John has chosen these events. He's also aware of Matthew, Mark, Luke, which have come before him, already having been written. So he's well aware that people already are familiar, but he wants to advance people's faith even further and selects these events, these stories that we've been studying for months now to persuade you to believe. He pictures it almost like a courtroom trial. One of the key words in John is witness. He keeps calling witnesses, witnesses who were there, witnesses who have lived through it, witnesses who saw it, and witnesses who continue to proclaim and testify to what Jesus did. So as you think back, maybe I'll challenge you now. How many witnesses do you remember that we've looked at in the last six months? Can you think of one story that we've covered from the Gospel of John of a, someone whose life was affected by Jesus? Just think of one story from the Gospel of John, anyone. All right, well, we're going to go back. We'll do the whole thing over again. Let's start at chapter one. All right, you got a story? Jesus called Nathaniel. Okay, Nathaniel. That's a good place to start because that was the first one I had written down. Nathaniel. And what did he say to Nathaniel? He had two very important words. Come and see. Come and see, he said to Nathaniel. 
come and see. It's the first event of Jesus calling a disciple, and Nathaniel comes, and he is amazed by Jesus. He comes, he sees Jesus, and he becomes a witness. Another witness. You remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night and was so skeptical. What is this all about? What are you doing? What are you teaching? What is the kingdom? And Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born from above, born of the spirit, before you will see the kingdom. Or the Samaritan woman who was at the well in the middle of the day when no one else was around and there was Jesus. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water and she was kind of shocked and confused why he would ask her, a Samaritan, for a drink of water. And Jesus says, if you knew what I had to give you, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. (coughs) There was a woman caught in adultery. They were ready to stone her to death. And Jesus says, if any of you are without sin, well, you can be the first one to pick up the stone. And slowly, one by one, they all walked away. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. There was the blind man in chapter 9 who was born blind and for all of his life never seen. And now he sees. Jesus put the mud in his eyes. Remember, he spit and put the mud in his eyes and he said, go wash in the pool. And then the Pharisees were all worked up because Jesus had done this miracle on the Sabbath and they believe Jesus is a sinner and the blind man says, I think you're blind if you can't see what this man has done for me. And what about Lazarus, who actually died and was brought back to life? What about Mary, who was the first one to the tomb, who was the one that was first to see Jesus, who was the one whom Jesus chose to call her by name, Mary, and she knew it was the risen Lord. Think of what stories these people were able to pass on. Think about how each one of these people's lives were affected by the interaction, the events they had with Jesus Christ so that they would go on for years to be witnesses. That's what John is saying. We are his witnesses. We just sang it in the hymn. We are his witnesses. And they continue to bring forth this truth that Jesus is the Son of God. But more than any other witness, we know we have the witness of John. That's the last two verses when it says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. John is the last witness in his own gospel to say, we know that his testimony is true. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. There is a truth in love that cannot be fully put into words. And without love, I don't think there is any truth. Without love, there's no truth to Jesus. Without love, there's no truth in us. And the truth is that we, by ourselves, really are not truthful because we don't have love. 
by nature, we're selfish. And so we have a lie within us. We try to fool ourselves or fool others, but this lie within us is that we are selfish. And we don't know the truth, and we're bound by our mortality, our limited knowledge, our inability to do what we're supposed to do. And we need a truth from outside of ourselves. Do you know what it's like to be loved? Have you experienced what it's like to be the disciple whom Jesus loves? Because that's what Jesus wants you to think and know, is that you are the disciple that Jesus loves. You are now the witness. The truth is in you. Because Jesus has loved you. And this is how he's loved you. He's become flesh for you. He's lived a humble life for you. He's suffered for sin for you. He's died for you. And he's risen so that he can live eternally through his Holy Spirit in you. Jesus has done all this for you. And he continues to do everything he can for you so that you would know you are the disciple whom Jesus loves. And that is the truth that no one can take away. But when he says, you will have life, we know that is a challenging statement. The closing thoughts of John is what you call an epilogue. That's chapter 21. And it's meant to also mirror the opening thoughts of John, which would be called a prologue. There's a prologue and an epilogue, the first chapter and the last chapter. So in the closing thoughts, he says, you will have life. And we think back to the opening thoughts when he first spoke of life. In chapter 1 of John, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness of your lives, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So the truth is not just information. The truth is transformation. Jesus is not only giving you a bunch of important truths and facts to know, but he's daring you to believe, to step into that light where he is, where all truth and all life is to be found, and stand before him completely yourself and nothing else. Think of the witnesses that Jesus has chosen, the types of people like skeptical Nathaniel, like Nicodemus hiding out in the dark, like a Samaritan woman who's had seven husbands, like a woman caught in adultery, like a man born blind and begging. In all of these examples, we find pieces of ourselves and Jesus is daring these people not only to look to him and see the truth 
but to follow him in the truth. See, it's not just truth. It's truth and dare. We started this series with a man on a stretcher. And I asked you a question. Would you rather be with Jesus in the upper room in 30 AD, face-to-face asking him questions, eating dinner with him on the night when he was betrayed, or be in a church with John a hundred years, some 50 years later, where this old man is brought out on a stretcher and he's telling you stories about when he was with Jesus and you're hearing it from him. And most of us might say, well, we'd rather be with Jesus. But as you've seen in John's gospel, they saw the truth, but they hadn't yet dared to live the truth. They didn't really understand the meaning of Christ's coming when they were around the table at dinner with him. And it wasn't until generations later, years later, that you could see the effect of what Jesus did. So by 90 AD, as you're seeing this old man on a stretcher who's been taken prisoner by Rome, exiled to Patmos, let out, he's preaching in your church, you're seeing a living witness. You're seeing the effect of the resurrection in him and in all these other witnesses who saw Jesus. You're seeing people who not only knew the truth, but dared to live the truth. There's a hymn we sing. It says, for the gospel, let us dare to sacrifice all treasure. The gospel dares us to sacrifice, to risk, to step out onto a shaky bridge that the world would say, ah, It's foolishness, you'll never get to the other side. But we know that looks can be deceiving. And Jesus is a solid foundation calling you to dare all things for the gospel. We read our earlier scripture reading from John chapter 10, where Jesus has this interaction with the Jewish leaders. It's the time of the dedication, a festival where They're remembering how they were purified of the foreign powers that had invaded Jerusalem. And Jesus is walking in the temple and he's preaching and teaching. And the Jews gather around him and they say, how long will you keep us in suspense? Why won't you just tell us? Are you the Christ or not? In these interactions... When Jesus talks to people, he never comes out and says point blank what he's thinking. Instead, he challenges us. He gives us things from the side angle. He says to them, it is not for a good work that you are going to stone me, but for blasphemy because you, excuse me, that's what they say. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? They had seen the truth firsthand, just like all of the disciples had. They'd seen Jesus. They'd seen his miracles. They knew it all. A person can sit in church, can hear all the truth, all their life. They can have all the information. They can know it all. They can be an expert with all the books on their shelves and yet miss the truth. The reason that they don't hear his voice 
Because even though they know the truth, they're not daring to believe it. They're not willing to risk giving up, sacrificing what they have found comfortable in their lives, their possessions, their power, their influence. They're not willing to give up all things to follow this Messiah. And because they're not willing to dare, they don't really have the truth. But Jesus says, you are not of my fold. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. His voice is calling you. And it's not just that he wants you to know some important information. He's daring you to be changed, to know you are loved, to embrace the truth of your adoption as his son. And there's a lot of risk in that. He's daring you to go out into the world as lights in the darkness. He's daring you to show somebody that you've crossed a bridge and can look back on it and share now your witness of what Jesus has done for you. There's a great thing about taking risks and facing difficulties and going through trials is that afterwards we can look back and see what God has done for us. One of the shows I like to watch is Bear Grylls. If you've ever watched his wilderness show, he goes out into the wild, man versus wild, and he gets dropped into the middle of nowhere, and he basically has to just survive. That's the show. He also has a show where he takes celebrities out, which is kind of funny to watch, and then they have to go through these challenges and trials. It's all planned out, but there are many risks involved, and I've seen some of them have to scale a sheer 200-foot cliff and having never done it before. And he hooks up the rope and he hooks them up and he says, all right, I'm going to go down ahead of you and now you go down and then you come. So he goes down to the bottom and then you see just the fear in their face when they're at the top all alone, (coughs) terrified, but they do it anyways. And the best part is when they're at the bottom. And once they get to the bottom and they look back up and see what they've done, it's like a rush of emotions over them and the confidence and the feeling of having done something. And so God wants you to know that when you face those challenging times, those risky environments, getting outside your comfort zone, and you are led through it all, you're going to be able to look back at that place you were on that sheer cliff, and you're going to see Jesus, the one who was going down the rope with you, the one who was with you every step of the way, and you just didn't know it, or you didn't fully realize it until now. And you become then a witness, someone who has known the truth and who has dared to live it. More than anything, Jesus wants you to know that he is with you. And so he says to his disciples in closing, When the Helper comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He is with you always. Amen.